This is The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. Cryptocurrencies sound great on the surface. A decentralized network that offers both privacy and transparency. But many cryptocurrencies, like Bitcoin, come at a significant cost to our environment. Bitcoin's carbon footprint is significant. And a new research paper has found that the carbon impact of Bitcoin increased significantly in the past year. The whole idea of Bitcoin is that it's ultimately uh, run by anyone. There is no government, no authority in charge of the Bitcoin network. It's not run by a company. No, it's, it's run by anyone who wants to participate in running it. My name is Alex de Vries. I'm the founder of the Digiconomist blog, which is a website which is hosting the infamous Bitcoin energy consumption index since the start of 2017, providing live data on uh, several statistics of sustainability for the Bitcoin network, including energy consumption, carbon footprint, electronic waste, and so forth. There is uh, an incentive built in to the system to attract people in wanting to do that. So uh, anyone can help in creating new blocks of transactions for Bitcoin's underlying, underlying blockchain technology. Um, and for every new block that is created, you can get a reward of currently 6.25 Bitcoins. Um, well, each uh, new blocks are being created at a rate of uh, one every 10 minutes. This process of participating in processing Bitcoin transactions is known as mining. And the current reward for mining and processing transactions is 6.25 Bitcoin, which is roughly... 277,000 US dollars at current prices. And it's this process which is extremely energy intensive. The energy consumption that comes at uh, the, uh, well, also at the block creation process, but a very specific requirement, which is that in order to create a new block for the blockchain, you first have to uh, participate in what is effectively a massive number guessing game. Uh, and only the one that manages to guess the correct number is the one that is allowed to create the next block for the blockchain. And now the entire Bitcoin network today is generating somewhere between 200 to 250 quintillion uh, guesses every second of the day nonstop in that, in that really massive guess the number game. And even so... <laughs> only one gets it correct every 10 minutes. Generating all those gases is where the energy consumption is at. It's the machines that are generating through the process of trial by an error, all those gases, that is just taking a humongous amount of, of, of electrical power. How significant is the energy consumption uh, you know, across the Bitcoin network? So we can currently estimate that in this network, which consists of uh, around 3 million machines, or at least that was uh, a number I put on it last year, maybe more now, uh, all those machines together are consuming as much electrical energy as, well, definitely more than my home country, the Netherlands, uh, probably as much as all data centers in the world combined. Uh, and then I'm talking about all the data centers that are used by Facebook, Google, Amazon, the internet, everything, the legacy financial infrastructure, uh, all of it combined, uh, just for Bitcoin. Huh? Uh, so that's around um, 200 terawatt hours of electrical energy per year. 
which is also close to 1% of our total global electricity consumption. The numbers on the surface are staggering. However, the real concern is where all of that energy is actually coming from. Ultimately, when we're looking at the environmental impact of that, we need to wonder, okay, where is that power being sourced from? We saw that a lot of that used to be sourced in, from China. You know, the, un, until last year, uh, ha- around half this network was located over there. Let's get back to China's increasing crackdown on crypto. It looks like they've gone absolute. We know that China has been taking steps in this direction, but this is incredibly dramatic. Saying on the PBOC website they will ban all transactions or that all crypto transactions are illegal. In late September of 2021, China banned all cryptocurrency transactions across the country. Previously, China was a hub for Bitcoin miners, with some of the biggest mining operations in the world located in the country. This ban led to an exodus of miners looking for somewhere suitable to run their mining operations. And Alex says this ban has led to an increase in the carbon footprint of the Bitcoin network. China said we had enough of this industry, Uh, we're going to ban it. And that's what they did. Uh, They kicked out the miners, which then had to relocate, and they mainly moved, relocated to uh, countries such as the US and Kazakhstan. In terms of the type of power that is being used in these countries, within China, uh, a relatively large part was coming from renewables, which is a bit counterintuitive if you think about China. It's not known as a very clean country, but the thing is that these miners within China, they were moving around during the year. And during the winter time, the dry season, they were in the north, they were using coal-based power. And during the summertime, they would actually migrate physically to the south of China and start using hydropower in that area. Uh, So on, on average, over the whole year, the share of renewables in the network was adding up to a little over 41%. When they got kicked out of China, they lost access to that summertime renewable energy. While mining Bitcoin has never been green, this shift away from China means that miners are using even more fossil fuels. In the US, uh, a lot of that has simply been replaced by natural gas. Uh, and the U.S. grid mainly relies on natural gas. So every miner that relocated there just got a larger share of natural gas in their energy mix. Um, and the ones that moved to Kazakhstan, uh, well, they're using coal. And of course, there was coal being used in China as well. But uh, a big issue is that the coal that's being used in Kazakhstan is even dirtier than the one used in China because they're using a worse type of coal or even the worst type of coal you can poss- possibly use to uh, generate electricity with, being hard coal. And they're very inefficient at doing that. So, you know, if you take those two together, uh, the, the, the hydropower being... Uh, or the share of hydropower being reduced, replaced by natural gas, uh, the coal use being replaced by even dirtier coal, 
the carbon intensity of the network as a result went up by 17% and in total now adds up to, in our uh, latest study, uh, 65 megatons of carbon dioxide per year, uh, which is more than the carbon emissions of a country like Greece. Uh, it's, it's also more than what we're saving in terms of CO2 emissions uh, by deploying electric vehicles. Uh, we save around 50 megatons of carbon dioxide every year from uh, our, our total global electric fleet. Um, so, yeah, we're talking really big numbers here. Um, uh, yeah, the, Fortunately, the Chinese mining uh, ban did not make it better. Uh, you know, you mentioned you mentioned a couple of countries. Uh, are there particular regions? I mean, when you're talking about, say, the the United States, is uh, are there particular regions uh, that you know are of significant concern here when it comes to uh, you know the carbon footprint of of Bitcoin? We we see, within the U.S. we see a lot of concentration in a limited number of states. Uh, those states are Texas, Kentucky, uh, and Georgia as well. And uh, it's not a surprise, first of all, that we're seeing that concentration because all of those states have, have been very welcoming to uh, Bitcoin miners. Uh, Kentucky last year introduced tax breaks to lure Bitcoin miners. Georgia re- recently uh, also started or suggested doing something similar. Uh, Texas has been... Uh, receiving miners with open arms saying that they are the solution to the unstable Texas grid. Um, In any case, all of those grids are performing relatively worse than uh, the national average of the United States. So um, if you, for example, look at Kentucky, uh, one of the reasons why they wanted to attract those miners with tax break is because they have an obsolete coal industry over there. Huh? Nobody wants to use the Kentucky coal anymore. But Kentucky is trying to save the jobs associated with that coal industry. So huh, they, they are really looking for a consumer of the energy that they are producing from coal. Um, yeah. Um, and that... That also means that within the U.S., uh, things things aren't looking too great. So the whole Bitcoin network is generating more carbon emissions than entire countries. And the carbon intensity of the network has risen by 17% since the China ban. But is it possible to solve this carbon nightmare? And how could sending Bitcoin be responsible for an increase in e-waste? That's coming up after this short break. Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. For The Defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free. Which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com.
Bitcoin has a significant carbon footprint, one which is bigger than some countries. But what can be done to improve the network and reduce the overall carbon impact? Well, that's a very difficult question because um, what we saw last year was that the industry was trying to commit to going green. They signed, or at least part of the industry signed, a crypto climate accord which was a voluntary agreement to uh, go 100% green by 2030. Um, Now, uh, like I said, it's a voluntary agreement. Uh, Obviously, that did not work out because in the same year, Bitcoin is now less green than ever before. Um, If you are serious about going green, then these type of agreements should be strengthened with uh, additional enforcement mechanisms, maybe some kind of punishment or reward. In any case, something that ensures uh, compliance. It's a question, though, if you really want this industry to go green, because uh, what we saw in Sweden, also just a couple of months ago, is that the Swedish authorities say that we have a small share of the entire global Bitcoin network in our country um, using renewable energy. But uh, they are taking the position that they don't want those miners to use renewable energy because they consider it a waste of their renewable energy. And they're like, we could have used that to clean up our more essential services. Uh, and now we have to power those with fossil fuels instead. It is possible to reduce the carbon impact by increasing the abundance of renewable power in the Bitcoin network, but it will require miners to actively shift their power consumption towards renewables. However, Alex says there's another significant issue that often gets forgotten, and that's the e-waste generated by mining operations. When you look at Bitcoin mining, people have to realize that a lot of the equipment that is being used to do that is extremely specialized to the extent that it cannot be used for anything else but Bitcoin mining. You can't repurpose the equipment. While initially Bitcoin was mined on consumer graphics cards, these days ASIC miners are most common. These systems are specifically designed to process cryptocurrency transactions. They also can't be repurposed for use in another type of system. And that causes two issues. Uh, First of all, of course, uh, you need to make that equipment, uh, which strains the already overstrained global semiconductor supply chain. We're already facing a global chip shortage, and any chip that we put in a Bitcoin miner is a loss of capacity that we could have, for example, put in an electric vehicle. I'm just, you know, saying something, but uh, that's something you have to consider. And then down the line, when these machines are done consuming energy, um, yeah, they become electronic waste simply because they, you know, they they can only function, or well, they they can they can theoretically function for a very long time, but it's only reasonable to use these machines while they can operate profitably, how well they can make more money from participating in this mining process, then you have to pay on the electricity. And unfortunately, they tend to reach their break-even point really fast. That happens within just 1.3 years on the on average. Uh, and after that, you know, then there's nothing else you can do with them uh, but discard them. And, and I mean, you were talking about like three, 
you said three million uh, devices on the network, right? Which is yes a huge amount of you know potential e-waste. Uh, yes, especially considering that each of those devices by itself uh, weighs around 15 kilos, I think, on average. So, uh, in in total, this whole network, uh, I previously estimated that it could put out as much e-waste uh, as my home country, the Netherlands, is putting out in small IT equipment uh, waste. So, that adds on top of the energy use and and you know uh, we can be certain that no amount of green energy is going to solve that part and and to make this more specific and it given the limited uh, amount of transactions happening on the bitcoin network it also translates to uh, roughly 250 grams of electronic waste per transaction processed on the blockchain. And it's almost half an iPad in terms of electronic waste per processed transaction. It's a really st- staggering amount by itself. Wow. So, so every, time, every time you send someone Bitcoin, you're generating 250 grams worth of e-waste. Yes, on average, yes. Wow, that blows my mind. That that is so much. Well, I mean, the the, the numbers get really crazy when you look on things on a per transaction level because, you know, the the thing is, this network does not handle more than five transactions per second. Uh, last year, it was doing three transactions per second, and if you're really pushing it to its limits, it can maybe do seven transactions per second. But we're talking about an extremely negligible amount. Uh, in, in, in the total, uh, in the regular financial world, the total number of uh, non-cash uh, electronic payments adds up to 840 billion a year. Uh, if the Bitcoin network is doing just 100 million transactions, and doing maybe 0.012% of that, but uh, it is consuming a lot more energy than is needed for all that other, <laughs> all those other transactions and. If you look at what this means in terms of carbon footprint per transaction, the carbon footprint for the total network, the 65 megatons of carbon dioxide that this network is responsible for every year, that translates to a carbon footprint of 670 kilograms of carbon dioxide per transaction. That is also as much as the per passenger carbon footprint of a flight from Amsterdam to New York. Given the environmental concerns here, um, is it actually a responsible thing for anyone to transact Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies before these problems are solved? Uh, Well, I would be careful in generalizing it to uh, uh, every cryptocurrency. Uh, The thing is that um, Bitcoin is by far the largest cryptocurrency and the most well-known and the most popular cryptocurrency. Um, but the thing is that nowadays there are plenty of cryptocurrencies that don't make use of this really energy-intensive mining process that Bitcoin is using. Uh, there is this alternative which is known as proof-of-stake, which without going into the details, eliminates the need for uh, people to compete uh, based on the computational power of their hardware. If you're running on such a type of software, the only thing you need is a device with an internet connection and that's it. So 
those type of networks can reduce the power requirement by a factor 10,000 easily compared to the type of system that is running for Bitcoin. You might wonder uh, why it is not uh, being implemented in Bitcoin. This is a, a, an entirely different matter. Uh, theoretically, uh, you could. Uh, even Bitcoin could run on such a more sustainable uh, software. But the, the thing is that if you are trying to make such a change happen in a network that isn't really owned by anyone, that's really tough to coordinate. But yeah, uh, the whole point here is that more sustainable alternatives exist um, and investors can choose to use those, except they need to be aware, first of all, that those alternatives are out there. And I think that is uh, the best starting point. Also making news today, Apple has stopped all product sales in Russia. A lot of pressure had been put on the company to follow other businesses and exit the Russian market due to the conflict with Ukraine. But until now, Apple had remained silent. In a statement, Apple said it was deeply concerned about the Russian invasion of Ukraine and has taken a number of actions, including stopping all online sales to Russia, exports to Russia, limiting the use of Apple Pay in Russia, removing Russian news apps from the App Store, and turning off traffic data in Ukraine. The company will continue to monitor the situation and is doing what it can to help with the emerging refugee crisis. The University of California, Berkeley, has lost its patent case over the use of CRISPR in plant, animal and human cells. While UC Berkeley owns some patents over CRISPR, the US Patent Office decided that Broad Institute, run by MIT and Harvard, were the first to use CRISPR in plants and animals. In a statement, UC Berkeley said it was considering options to appeal. Ownership of the CRISPR patents could be worth billions. And the Russia-Ukraine conflict has put the future of the ExoMars mission in doubt. The European Space Agency and Russia were due to send a rover to Mars this year. However, with significant economic sanctions in place, the European Space Agency says a launch in 2022 is very unlikely. ExoMars is a mission designed to try and answer the question of whether life has ever existed on Mars. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was produced and hosted by me, Christopher Lawson. If you love what we're doing, then consider joining our newsletter. It's completely free. You can sign up at thedefrag.com and join our community on Discord. There's a link in the episode show notes. That's all we have today. I'll speak to you tomorrow.